Hello and welcome to Next Level Ops, a podcast that explores tools, tips, and techniques for hosting and managing websites, presented by Plesk. Today, our guest is Jan Lofler, and we're talking about scaling your website uh, for performance, for if you get hit with a bunch of traffic. And this episode, this interview was a bit of a surprise for me because we didn't necessarily talk about just throwing more resources at the problem. We talked about why you might want to scale and how you would uh, just make sure your website's performing. It's a really fantastic episode and Jan is a wealth of knowledge. So uh, I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. But before we get started, a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. All right, so let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Next Level Ops, brought to you by Plesk. I am here once again with the CTO of Plesk, Jan Lofler. Last time, we talked about the Lighthouse extensions, some of the best extensions that Plesk has to offer. Today, we are going a more, a slightly more general, maybe more um, big question route here, which is tips for scaling your website, for scaling your web hosting. Uh, but first, let's bring in Jan. How are you doing today? Perfect, Joe. Yeah. Sunny day here now. Um, uh, the rain stopped. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here and uh, speak with you again about a very exciting topic about how to scale your hosting. Yeah, this is this is a great topic because there are um, a lot of moving parts, right? Uh, I mean, it could be everything from the hosting company you choose uh, all the way up to how you optimize your website. And then, of course, we'll get into what happens if, um, you know, you get suddenly popular and you're being slammed with traffic. That was called the dig effect when I started really making websites. I don't know if you remember the website dig and that's how it happened, but I don't know if it's different today. Maybe it's like the TikTok effect or something. Um, but uh, let's let's start with um, a little background, right? Because um, in a previous episode, we talked uh, about hyperscaling solutions and cloud services. But uh, again, we're going to bring it um, not to make a pun off the word cloud, but we're gonna we're gonna bring it down a little bit and talk about how just the general web developer or the general user can scale their website. So let's let's talk about in in this context, what do we mean by scaling and why should we be thinking about that? It's a very good topic because usually when I talk to developers and uh, we speak about scale and they quickly jump in uh, to complex topics and so on. But if we try to understand the problem first, then we first have to understand. So, what is what? What does do? Or what do the users try to achieve? So, as a website owner, first thing I want to do is I want to have a website quickly, and I have to understand that actually downtime is the worst problem um, to my business because that means that uh, my customers are not able to visit my site anymore. Now, if we look behind that, then um, we need to understand that most of the downtime is not happening due to the hosting stack or the hosting infrastructure. Usually, 
downtime happens or happens more often um, from the user. This is because you make changes on your website, you crash your website, you make some mistakes and stuff like this. And this is where before we talk about scaling and performance tuning and so on, which we definitely will do, and I'm excited to do that. And um, that's one of my favorite topics. But before we do that, we should just go through the checklist and make sure that there is a, a disaster recovery for business continuity. So whenever there is something happening that you have a backup that is, by the way, also up to date and that you can recover it quickly so that you have a possibility to hit the red emergency button and within a few minutes you are back. Um, so that's the most important thing. Second most important thing after backup is never make changes on a live site. It happened far too often, also to myself, very, very often, to be honest, um, that I crashed my own website. And this is where you want to have tools that allow you to create test environments. So something like Plesk offers out of the box where the WordPress toolkit, you hit the clone button um, and you create a test environment automatically and you have your site in two variants, the production side and the test environment. And you can make changes on the test environment. And then afterwards, with one button click, you merge the changes back to production. So super simple. Um, and this is very, very powerful because that helps you to reduce downtime. And this is exactly what you want before you start about uh, performance tuning. I, I think that I'm going to jump in right sure. here and say, I think that that is, this is a great thing to first touch on, right? Because um, uh, I, you know, I in the in the uh, lighthouse extensions episode, we talked about how uh, SEO is more of a marathon, right? And um, if we can bring that same uh, analogy here, it's it's almost like uh, how do I scale my website? Uh, it's like trying to run a marathon before you run a mile, right? right. Um, get get the basics down first, and then you could start thinking about all right, what happens if I get insanely popular. But if you're trying to prevent downtime, what you said, have backups and never code on a live site. I am also guilty <laughs> of that. Um, it's important to have a hosting provider that makes it very easy to not code on a live right. site. Um, I think th those are two great things uh, as, as first kind of pre-scaling uh, tips to make sure your site doesn't go down. Exactly. And yeah, the staging topic is the in my experience, um, the most powerful um, tool to have a good down, uh, a good uptime uh, by just coding uh, or making changes on your site on the test environment, and only when it's ready and it's tested and you know it works uh, and there are no problems, then you push it to production with one click. So this is uh, already good thing. So we have done that, and now it's about um, how do we make sure that the website is fast? And we know all that, especially if you have an e-shop, then Amazon has published a lot of studies uh, about how much revenue they lose if um, a site performs slower than three seconds or renders slower than three seconds in the browser of the customer. And so everybody needs to understand um, website performance matters um, if you have a, a serious business and uh, your website needs to be fast, otherwise you will lose your visitors. They will go to the competition or, or they will never show up uh, and come back again. And this means um, a significant loss to your business. So what can I do first? The first mistake might be 
to take too poor hardware. Poor doesn't mean like um, the brand or stuff like this. It means that you have to have a decent amount of memory uh, available. Also make sure that you have enough disk space left. So I saw far too many people that ran into the problem where they saved on disk space. And then uh, they generate the, the, the service generated too many log files. And at one point in time, the server crashed um, because uh, files couldn't be written anymore because uh, it ran out of disk space. So always make sure you have enough capacity left. And that uh, means also, it's also like running a marathon. You should not run at the limit all the time because afterwards you will get a cold and uh, you will uh, be in bed for a while. So always have a buffer, always be fitter than what you actually need. And this is exactly true for the web server as well. Um, if you're all the time above 80% CPU load, then you're doing something wrong. Um, have enough buffer, have enough memory. Um, what happens, um, I don't want to go too much into detail, but if, for example, you're lacking memory, then the uh, operating system starts swapping, which means it writes more stuff to the disk. The disks are much slower. Um, it's a lot of operations in the background that makes your whole performance of the server slow. And that means it uh, tears down the performance of your website. That said, um, if you have already the right hardware sizing, um, then it's important to man monitor that. So uh, a monitoring tool is also one of the key essentials on the checklist because without monitoring and profiling, you won't see if there's some issue with a with a server. Often, um, it is not the server that causes the problem, but it's some misconfiguration, uh, for example. And then we have to be aware because before we speak even about scaling and performance tuning, that the majority of uh, issues with website performance are actually in the website itself. This is because the website has too many database query, because the database query um, is not optimized for speed and, and um, uh, gathers too much data, or the data is not, um, uh, uh, there are no uh, indexes um, uh, configured, um, or the rendering in the browser takes too long because of very complex DOM operations and stuff like this. So there are so many things that can go wrong. So it's not always the server's fault. Um, and that means that you need to have performance tuning tools or performance measurements tools where you can see where the, the problem is. Is it that your site, so or why is your site slow? Is it um, uh, the hardware? But if you then see that the CPU is maybe just at 5% and memory is like 60% uh, free and disk is also free, then it's not the hardware, right? Then um, your site is slow because of the site maybe. So you need to check um, where the issue is there. That said, you need to have the right tools to monitor and profile your site to understand where the actually bottlenecks are. Now coming into uh, uh, speeding up or accelerating a website. And now we come into one of the most important aspects. So let's say you optimize your site for a good rendering already. Um, you save database queries to a minimum, uh, but the rest ha just has to be done because you need this content. Um, the server is decent. Now we talk about caching. So everything 
where you that helps you to reduce database calls, that's the first priority because the database is usually the, the weakest part. That's the thing that takes the longest. The second thing, thing is reduce processing PHP. So the least often you need to um, start uh, the PHP compiler, the better. So that means you need caching. Um, static files are much faster delivered through the web server than dynamic files, obviously. Um, if we're talking about big scale, yeah, if, if you just have your pet shop or like a, a football club page, then don't worry. Your performance will be in most cases sufficient. Uh, but if you really want to scale, you want to have a new e-shop and, and sell stuff and performance matters, then make sure um, that you tune uh, for this. So getting along the line, um, it's even faster if you don't have to call your web server. How does that work? You need a content delivery network. What does it do? Content delivery network, or abbreviated as CDN, is a global solution of servers that store parts of your websites or the full website close to your customers. That means that whenever, like, let's do it with an example. I'm sitting here um, in a city near Frankfurt in Germany. Um, my data center is in Germany. But if you are now sitting in New York and you want to access my website, then your request travels from your browser, from your computer, over the ocean um, to Frankfurt to the data center. So if I want to make my website for you faster, then I have to make sure that you don't have to travel um, all the way. Then it's better if um, you, the, your request goes only from your browser to the nearest location, which is, for example, a data center in New York, and there is my website already. And then you saved a lot of miles, and that means a um, much faster uh, website. So it is one yeah, I think thing. Yeah. I think that that's um, a, a great and probably um, under, not underutilized, but it's, it's not a thought that... Um, crosses a lot of people's minds, right? And it's it's almost like uh if you you know if you want to get a hamburger um and the the closest McDonald's is two miles away, you're gonna go to that one instead of the one that's like ten miles right, away. Right. right. Exactly. Um because you'll get your your burger faster or whatever. Um so a, a CDN um in general is a great way to prefer, per, uh improve performance because like Absolutely. you said it reduces that travel time. Exactly. But you have to ask yourself, where do you sell or where, where are your visitors coming from? So, for example, if you are um, a French person and you have a French website, maybe, then and your, your, your visitors are only coming from the nearest towns uh, in France, then um, you don't need a CTN because it doesn't help you right. uh, with this case. It right. might help you with different things, uh, but that's a different topic. Um, but you don't need to have a, a point of present or data center in New York yeah, if you don't have a visitor or you're not expecting some from there. However, if you do global business, then obviously a CDN is a must-have for you. Um, that being said, uh, now there are different ways of how you can do caching. And I mentioned it in the, in the previous uh, episode uh, where we were speaking about the Lighthouse extensions. So one of my favorite quotes is from a very famous person in computer science, it's Martin Fowler, and he said, there are only two difficult things in computer science, caching and naming things. 
And I like this quote so much because it exactly says um, how complex the topic caching actually is and uh, yeah, uh, how much can go actually wrong. And um, for caching, there are tons of different ways how you can do that. Uh, at Plesk, we uh, teamed up and um, provided a team that does did that for several months and, and experienced like, okay, what are different caching strategies? What's the outcome? Tested it with different uh, website types and so on to find out what actually works best um, and if you go to forums, then you will see that there is a kind of religious battle about um, what is best using Varnish versus Memcache versus uh, Redis uh, versus uh, some completely different things. And um, honestly, it's a difficult thing. Um, I'm only looking at data and real experience. And this is why uh, never trust the data if you haven't measured it yourself. Um, I can say I did uh, with my team together. And um, so I can give you some good recommendations of uh, what to use and where it's just a waste of money. And uh, one solution that I want to emphasize um, is SpeedKit. So um, the, the thing is, if you're an expert in caching, then you pro know probably already how to do that. Um, you might know how to operate uh, or to configure memcached um, uh, and you might even know how to use varnish, which is very complex. But if you don't know that and you haven't heard of these words anymore, then you are looking for a solution that makes your website fast without having you to study for two years. Um, and this solution is SpeedKit. So uh, the guys behind SpeedKit, um, that's a team that I met a few years ago. Uh, and they are obsessed about websites' performance. They have studied since years um, about how you can actually make websites faster. They, they are using um, uh, Varnish as a caching solution also since many, many years. And um, they are super, super successful. There's a lot of big brands, big companies that are powered by their solution. And uh, for Plesk users, we made it super simple. We teamed up and have built together a solution that's called SpeedKit. And the, the nice thing with SpeedKit is it's a one-click solution. So you just say, accelerate my website, and then it becomes faster. And the cool thing is it uses Varnish in the background on a global CDN that's very fast and very distributed. So um, you uh, um, optimize on latency. But the best thing of it is that um, it has also in-browser caching. On top of that, it analyzes your personal site. Um, so whether you have a WordPress site, it identifies that. It knows exactly which parts to cache how. Uh, and this makes this um, solution so much better than other uh, solutions. The only important thing is uh, we got a lot of feedback from users that tried out SpeedKit and said, and afterwards, yeah, but my website's not faster. Um, the problem is that um, usually people use the wrong measurement tools. So if you use tools like GTmetrix or Pingdom, those tools don't simulate a browser. Um, so they just go from the shell directly to the web server and measure how fast um, is the request and when um, uh, is the response coming back. And this doesn't use the benefits of SpeedKit because SpeedKit is much better um, since it starts in the customer's browser. And therefore, you need to have a testing tool like webpagetest.org, which is the best tool in my eyes um, for doing this uh, because it uh, really ramps up a, a, a real browser 
and simulates the site as if you were sitting in front of your screen. And this is exactly where we optimize for. We don't optimize for bots. We optimize for humans. That's that's fantastic. So there is a lot of stuff to unpack here before we get into the the big question, right? Um, but um, just again, the downtime uh, disaster recovery checklist have backups, never code on a live site. And then you talk about we talked a while uh, about performance, right? And and making <laughs> sure you don't use the smallest server. I think that this is so important, right? Because um, my dad always said, buy cheap, get cheap. And if you buy the cheapest hosting, right. um, then you will get the cheapest hosting. And um, you, you're going to experience issues with that. So make sure you're not always maxing out your resources because your site's going to crash. Absolutely. Um, yeah. with, if you pay with, just $3 with, for your site, then uh, it won't scale. That's a promise for yeah, my site. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, or even you know, if you have... Um, you know, I have like a group hosting and I used to put all of my clients on that same hosting, but uh, I ran into the shared hosting problem, right? right? Where I had 20 sites using the same resources. My podcast site crashed every time a new episode came out. So I, I moved that off that server. Um, and then once you have that down, caching, having a CDN uh, and making sure your site is performant uh, with using tools like SpeedKit, which again, we talked about in in that Lighthouse Extensions episode is a very impressive uh, solution, especially if you are not familiar with caching tools or setting up a CDN or anything like that. So um, let's say we have all those things in place. And then it's, uh, well, I'll, we'll have to go back to like 2006 here. Uh, my An article I wrote gets listed on Dig and my site is just getting like tens of thousands of hits uh, per minute. Um, you know, wh- what do I do there? What should I look for as a customer? Um, is it, are there things I can do or is this mostly on the hosting side um, as far as far as uh, scaling my website quickly? Yeah, now it gets in- exciting because that means yeah. that you're damn popular. You get a lot of traffic. <laughs> so that's everything that uh, our listeners and, and myself wish for. <laughs> So great. Yeah, cool. exactly. Good job done. Now it's the question of how to deliver. And the first thing to understand is first um, the two ways of performance. If we speak about website performance, then there are actually two completely different things. The one is the single user. So how long does it take until the website is rendered visually in the customer's browser? So this is what we solve first. But now you're talking about throughput. That's a different one. Um, now it's the question of how many uh, customers or visitors can you serve at the same time? And this is interesting. But before you dig into um, uh, massive scale and throughput, you should have solved the other thing first. So now let's say usually our website just uh, gets delivered in in milliseconds and and, in less than a second. So everything is great. Everything's optimized. Now you optimize for throughput. So what I usually say, a website should usually be able um, to uh, handle 200 requests per second. That should be the target, and that's no problem at all with a blessed server. But now you scale more, and and 200 is a lot. Yeah, Just imagine 200 people clicking on your site in the same second. So that's already a lot. I would like like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. (laughs) But let's think bigger, right? Um, And uh, now... 
if you ask me like uh, what can hosters do, so we have a lot of uh, uh, hosting partners that use our software and provide um, hosting, whether it's shared hosting or dedicated hosting, doesn't matter, and use Plesk for that. Um, and there are obviously hosters that um, support more than 2,000 requests per second on a Plesk server, no problem. Um, this can be easily be achieved. Um, that's a bit of configuring the stack properly, having caching and stuff like this in place, having the right hardware, but um, this is not, not, not really a challenge. Um, you can do this still on a single server, make sure that you have a um, good internet connection, that there is no uh, disruption. And as I said in the beginning, um, the most downtime comes actually from the site owner that edits the site and not from, from uh, like downtime or something like this um, that happens through a hardware malfunction. All right, so now we are able to cover 2000 requests per second. Sounds great. It's not enough. Yeah. So if you want to scale more, and now we're talking about like you have a phenomenal e-commerce shop with uh, thousands of people uh, clicking on it at the same time, or you run a campaign, you, you win uh, um, whatever um, uh, America's next top model, or I don't know. So you, you just come in the charts uh, on place number one with your new song. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. and and now you we right. you're ready for big traffic. Um, so first of all, the question is, does the site still have to be dynamic or not? So if you're a Kim Kardashian, for example, um, that also who also uses WordPress, then obviously um, this website can be quite static in the end because there's nobody locking in and and, and doing something as yeah? information or Justin Timberlake, uh, Timberlake, uh, whatever. Yeah? Even the New York Times um, can be quite static. Um, mm -hmm. So here, render the whole website um, uh, proactively, uh, make it cached, and uh, upload it to the CDN. And then it will be fast. Because then it's just like uh, getting cached content from the nearest location from servers that are built for big scale. Easy thing. And you can still use your WordPress to build your site. No problem. Mm -hmm. But if you run a WooCommerce um, and now you have an eShop and then everything is dynamic and you have to uh, take care that you have enough um, uh, stock in place. Um, so how, how many pieces of this article are still left? Uh, now it's getting complicated. And right. now you're probably leaving the power of a single server. So at one point in time, just buying bigger hardware doesn't solve it anymore. Um, and the risk of a hardware that dies is also too big because now you're selling really big. And, and that means that you would lose uh, uh, hundreds to thousands of orders. Um, I, I worked previously for a company that's uh, called Zalando. And um, uh, that's like Zappos in the US um, or like Amazon.com. Okay. Um, and there it was the case. So if they had one hour of downtime, that meant, means in the end uh, a million dollar lost revenue. Wow. So that's uh, something you definitely want to avoid, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you need horizontal scaling. Of course, you can go for clusters first. Um, like, for example, a, a page that uh, all of us know, Stack Overflow, uses clusters. It's not horizontally scaled. It's just like a fixed amount of servers that uh, work there, but it's highly optimized. While other sites um, that are built for big traffic are horizontally scaled. Both mechanisms work. The one is optimizing for speed on a set of hardware, on a fixed set, which does the job. 
And others say like, okay, let's don't optimize so much, but let's uh, more focus on uh, a self-breathing infrastructure, as I call it. So an infrastructure that can just add more machines um, whenever uh, there's more load. And um, when the load goes down, it will uh, uh, shut down the machines automatically again. So and this is only possible um, with hyperscalers, um, with cloud services. Then we are talking about um, Amazon Web Services, Google Commute. Um, we're talking about uh, Alibaba. You can also do this, uh, with, of course, with DigitalOcean and so on. But there, you definitely need to have a team of engineers that can set up all the instances that are able to configure load balancers that can manage the network and so on. And that goes up to an extreme where you have something that I call immutable infrastructure. That means that every server is not um, managed anymore by a human being. It gets deployed automatically by a script. Um, it's like uh, a system that's pre-configured. It, get just, it just gets mass pro produced, spin up. And if it's not needed anymore, it gets killed. Um, so, yeah. uh, and often, they're, they're the, the paradigm of saying like, hey, I have 400 days of uptime. That's a bad practice in this world. So immutable infrastructure means that your uptime is maximum uh, maybe one or two days. But that's the maximum because that means that afterwards you get a new instance and a new instance and you have maybe 10, 20, 30 instances running in parallel. So this is highly complex. This is for the professionals. This has nothing to do with your normal website. But just to give you an idea how you can scale out and become the next Amazon.com. Gotcha. Oh, if uh, if we can, um, it almost sounds like if we're using a computer science term, like a design pattern, like a, a factory, right? Like right. a server factory. Exactly. You have defined the parameters, and now you can kind of put them out as needed. Um, but it sounds like that is. The most extreme, if you are making a ton of money because your website is hugely popular, you can do this. But um, if it, it sounds like if I'm running, you know, let's say a, a, a shop uh, right. where I'm selling whatever, I'm selling widgets, um, my first act is not going to be to hire a bunch of employees right. on day one. It's going to be to make sure that I have my stock in place. And that my process for just me to be able to sell that stock is possible, whether uh, 20 people come in at a time or 50 people come in at a time. Exactly. Maybe at 51 people, I hire a new employee. Um, and then that's kind of the optimization that I'm making. So what you said here was, um, first ask if your site needs to be dynamic, if you're getting crushed with like over 2,000 requests per second. Um, can you serve up a static version of that site that you threw on CDN? Right. Uh, and if it does need to be dynamic, that's when you start looking at um, getting a, a lot more power, leaving a single server, um, and either using clusters or horizontal scaling where, where uh, oh, resources are getting close to full on this machine. Let's spin up a new machine and make sure to balance. You said you use the term load balancer. Yeah. Make sure that we're routing traffic based on the, the available resources. Yeah, but what I have to say here, um, not build sites like this, obviously, um, but what I can tell from my experience is don't start with that too early um, because it's a huge amount of complexity. It comes at a big price. 
Um, and I'm not meaning only the cloud services and the hardware. Um, and, and here, of course, yeah, in terms of infrastructure, you're talking then about already uh, uh, thousands, uh, yeah, uh, five or six digits of, of uh, infrastructure costs. But um, on top of that, you have to pay salaries and, and people, experts uh, that are very specialized in that. And um, in most cases, so this is for the top of, yeah, even even less than 1% in the world. So for the big players, for 99% of all websites, um, single server is fully fine. So if you are not in the top 1% of uh, most uh, traffic um, receiving companies in the world, then um, just uh, save this uh, this this money on time and, and focus on, on fast delivery. And this is what we help you with uh, by simplifying your life and uh, making you um, enabling you to deliver fast um, and convenient and build a great site, make a lot of variations, do A-B testing. This is where we support you with uh, from the Plus side and the WordPress toolkit side. Also using a CMS like WordPress helps you a lot to deliver great websites very fast, um, great eShops by combining it with WooCommerce. Once you start um, clustering WordPress, it get, gets complicated. That's of course possible. Um, for me, that's an easy thing, but uh, you have to be really into it and in how you do that uh, because then otherwise uh, problems appear. Yeah, absolutely. And just to assign a couple of real world examples to what you were saying, right? Um, I used to work at my alma mater, the University of Scranton. We had a couple of servers and a single load balancer and uh, on premises. And for those things, we had four network engineers and three system administrators. Wow. So, um, and of course, they all had their own, like they had other things to do, but. Um, it was that team of people that had to understand and then manage uh, us hosting our, our own. Now, I haven't been there for uh, a bunch of years now, so maybe they moved everything to the cloud or, or what. But, um, you know, they, had, they needed at least several people who specialized in setting up and managing that infrastructure. Um, recently, uh, the Walt Disney Company announced that their CEO, Bob Iger, was stepping down. Um, and they uh, and Bob Chapek is taking over as the new CEO, and they had a press release. I have no doubt that that press release got slammed for that hour or two hours whenever the news broke, but that was a static page, right? Because it was just text on a page that um, did not need to be dynamic once it was written, and even if it needed updates, you could still update it and, and make those changes. Um, but what you're talking about with horizontal scaling and immutable infrastructure, that's like Amazon on Black Friday or Amazon on Prime Day. Where, exactly. Right, have or flash sales yeah. or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 This is then a different thing. Awesome. But also um, yeah. to give you some confidence, uh, maybe so there are 230 million registered domains in the world. Um and uh, Plus.com, so our own website, is just running on uh, a Plus server with WordPress 2 Kit. So we use our own tools. And um, Plus.com is in the top 10,000 of most popular websites in the world. Um, and we have every month, we have millions of visits. So, uh, yeah, you have to be really in the, in the top 10,000 or so that you need to scale horizontally. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, that is a great way to wrap up. So if you are looking to scale first, start with the disaster recovery and performance improvements. Have backups. Don't code on the live site. Make sure you have simple caching in place. And then once you hit it big, first of all, be sure to write into this show and let us know that you're in the top 1%. And uh, you could start looking at that horizontal scaling, immutable infrastructure, and things like that. Um, Jan, this has been uh, very educational for me, and I know it has been for the listeners as well. So thank you so much for joining us again today. It was my absolute pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much to Jan for joining us again this week. I loved this conversation because he didn't just say, here's how you get the best auto-scaling hosting. He talked about understanding the problem and how to uh, make sure that you have the right kind of tent poles in place for your website so that it doesn't necessarily go down. Um, and, and then we did get into the, the big, you're getting tons and tons of traffic and how do you scale at that point? So lots of really fantastic tips in this episode. I, I learned a lot. I know, and I, I hope you did too. Uh, so for all of the show notes, please head over to plesk.com slash podcast. And if you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcasts because that's how other people discover the show. Thanks so much for listening to Next Level Ops. Until next time, remember to take it to the next level.